Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I thank you for allowing me to be here. I have found that everywhere I go, that God's children are good people. Because God is good. God is in us. If you're not good, you don't have God in you. Amen? Now, none of us are good on our own, are we? There's none good, no, not one, none righteous. But if we get God in us, He can change all that. Praise the Lord. I am going to read from the book of John, the gospel. Chapter 12, beginning with verse 18. John chapter 12, beginning with verse 18. For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Gracious, loving Father, I ask you right now, let your word go forth. Help us to see you, Lord Jesus. Help us to seek after you. Your word has told us that when we seek you with our whole heart, you would be found of us. You see the needs of each and every individual in this place right now. I pray that your spirit would flood this place in the name of of Jesus, the name that is above every name in heaven and in earth, the only name where we must be saved. I give you praise, I give you honor and glory 
right now. And everybody said amen. amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. <clears throat> this evening I would like to inspire you and me to get a little closer to Jesus. I don't propose to try to bring to you anything new. I suppose that everything that I will say here this evening, you have already heard. And so I don't say it because you don't know it, but because you do know it. And I would like for us to stir up our remembrance. And I would like for us to stir up our first love. It is easy to go through life and become accustomed to the goodness of God. And forget about what that all entails. We like to sing the song, God is good all the time. And I think we should. For he is good all the time. Even in the times that you feel that everything is going against you, God is still good. When your loved ones have forsaken you and loved ones have passed from you from this life and you feel sorrow and grief God is good. When you are destitute and you have no financial means and you wonder where the next meal is going to come from, God is good. And on the other spectrum of that, when you are doing very well, finances are coming in like a flood, and it seems as though you have the modest touch, don't forget that God is good. It is easy to forget God when everything is going your way and you think that you have acquired what you have by your own abilities, by your own talents, your good looks or your fame, your popularity or whatever it might be, your business acumen. But let me tell you something here this evening. Without the blessings and the goodness of God, you and I can do nothing. 
We've got to have Jesus. And I want to reintroduce to you tonight Jesus. So let's look at this. That 18th verse says, for this cause, what had happened was that Jesus had been notified that his friend Lazarus was sick and he tarried. Finally he went. And you know the story well, don't you? Martha met him. Had you been here? Our brother Lazarus would not have died. Oh, but he shall live. Oh, I know in the resurrection, but I am the resurrection. I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, shall live again. Mary, the same sorrow in her heart, her brother is now dead. And he tells her essentially the same thing. Take me to where you have buried him. You have put him in the place of burial. They took him. And, and I would like for you to look at this scene as Jesus with the multitude goes to the place where they have put Lazarus. It's four days now. The crowd is around him. The Bible says when he looked over those people, he wept. The sentiment was, oh, how he loved Lazarus, and surely he did love Lazarus. But I don't believe that's the reason he was weeping. He was weeping because they didn't really, really see him and who he was and what he was about to do. He knew exactly what he was about to do. And so we go to the tomb of Lazarus and he says, roll away the stone. And they say, oh, but he stinks. He is decayed. Why do such a thing as that? Roll it away. And then he says, Lazarus, come forth. Now somebody said the reason he said, Lazarus, come forth, was because if he had just said, come forth, everybody would have come forth. But let me give you a little bit different take on this. How many Lazaruses do you suppose were in the area that had already died? You suppose there's more than one? Here's a point I want to make to you here right now. There are many Jameses. There are many Bills. There are many Susans. There are many Katies. Mary's, Jane's, but when he speaks your name particularly, I don't care how many others, by your same name, when he is speaking to you, 
He directs His Word directly to you. And it knows where to go. And He sends His Word. And it accomplishes what He sends it to do. And Lazarus came forth. And Jesus said, Loose him and let him go. So let's get a picture of this Jesus who knows you individually. He knows every minute detail about you. Let me ask you right now. Would you see Jesus? Is it important to you that you would see Jesus? We look at him on different occasions. On this particular occasion, the priests were disturbed because they said the whole world is going after him. Do you know that they wanted to kill Lazarus again? Or kill him? He had already died and they wanted to kill him because Jesus had brought him from the dead to life. Let's kill him. The world will look at what God is doing for you and try to make it of no effect. I say to you here tonight, you need to look for Jesus and He can keep it alive. Did you hear me? He can keep it alive. That thing, that dream, that vision that you have in your heart. If you look for him. We see him as he's walking the dusty roads. The crowds are pressing him on all sides. There's a little lady with a malady for 12 long years. Says within her heart, if I can but touch the hem of his garment. In her heart, in her mind, I can see him and if I can get a little closer to him, I know that I will be made whole. Now get this. She presses through the masses of people and she finally gets within reach of the hem of his garment and she reaches out and she touches. Immediately she is made whole. Jesus stops the procession. Who touched me? His disciple says, Lord, you're being pressed on all sides. And you ask, who touched you? He said, but there's something different about this touch. Virtue flowed from my body.
And she, trembling, comes falling before him in worship, confessing all before the whole multitude, thy faith hath made you whole. She is wanting to get a little closer look at Jesus. She wanted to get a closer touch of Jesus. You can touch him if you'll press through the crowd of the world today. Get rid of all of the anxieties, the fears, and the pretensions. You know, we can put on a facade. And make people think that everything is just okay when everything is not ever okay. So we've got to press through those crowds of deceit and be transparent before Him to see Him. And allow that virtue to flow through to us. What about this Jesus? What kind of man is he? We find him in the bow of a boat, ship. A storm arises. Disciples become fearful. The waves, after all, are coming into the boat, the ship. His disciples go to him where he is asleep. Master, carest thou not that we perish? Oh, thou little faith. And he rises and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And immediately there's the calm. And the disciples say, What manner of man is this? Well, let me tell you something. That man that they saw go to sleep was the Son of Man, the Son of God. But the one they saw rise was God eternal. God the Father. (laughs) when he rebuked the waves and the sea. He can rebuke those spiritual waves, turmoils in your lives. When you feel that no one cares, would you seek after Jesus? 
I don't care how old you are. I'm 70 years old. I'm not very old. After all, my name is Young. I'll die young. That is, if I die, if the Lord doesn't come first. We can all have problems in our lives that we just can't cope with. But if we will seek to see Jesus, He can step in to our scene. Now, I would like to go back a little further back into the book of Luke, chapter 2. Verse 10 through 15 says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into the heaven, into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Angels brought a message of good things, of great joy. I get get excited when I come into the presence of Almighty God, into the presence of my Savior. And so when the angels departed, the shepherds said, let's go see this thing that we've been told about. It's something worth seeing. Come out of your daily grind the disturbances that you have, your workload, and surely these shepherds did have a workload. They were in the time of lambing season and they were taking care of these sheep, these ewes that were going to be lambing 
and they wanted to make sure that everything was, ta- were, was taken uh, care of correctly and that the, the little lambs would come. But what they really wanted to see was the Lamb of God that God brought to the world that would bring good tidings and goodwill toward men. This little one they wanted to go see because that was the most important lamb of the season, the lamb of God. And then we find in the same chapter of Luke, verse 25, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Simeon, a devout man, a just man, was ready to depart in peace. Why? Because he had seen the salvation of the Lord. Are we content with an empty life without Jesus, without seeing Him work in our lives? Are we content to go from day to day and just being a part of the crowd But do we really want to get closer and allow the Spirit of God to move in our lives? I feel an urgency in my own life to get closer to this one we call Jesus. I've had my sorrows. No doubt you've had sorrows and griefs. I don't know your personal lives. And there have been times that I felt all alone. And no one really cared. I have been ridiculed about different things. 
And sometimes those things can pressure you to do things that you shouldn't. Make wrong decisions. But there must come a time in our lives that we will put our whole entire being before this Jesus. And just as Peter called out to him, Lord, save me. We look at the Word of God. We read it. We can really take it in or we can just kind of skim over it. But if we really get it in our hearts, we can find in that word that says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He will go with us to the very end of the world. Even when you can't feel him, he will show up in his word. Go to his word. Love his word. Cherish it. Don't allow it to part from your heart and your love, your desire. Sir, we will see Jesus. They wanted to see Jesus because of the miracle. I ask you here this evening, do you want to see Jesus? And if so, why? Why do you want to see Jesus? There was a man by the name of Bartimaeus who wanted to see him. And he heard that he was passing that way. Blind Bartimaeus began to cry out to him, Jesus, have mercy on me, thou son of David. Those about him tried to quieten him, but he cried the louder. He, he wanted to see him. Desperately. And Jesus stops the crowd, calls him to himself. What will you have me to do? Do you know Jesus wants you to tell him what you would have him to do? Oh, that I could see. We find the compassionate, loving Savior opening the eyes of the blind and stopping the deaf ears, making the lame to walk, the dumb to talk. We find a Jesus that is compassionate when he sees the crowds. It's getting late. 
and they're hungry. Jesus is concerned when you get hungry in the physical body. Well, we only have just a few loaves of bread and a few fishes here. Bring them to me. He breaks and he blesses over 5,000 fed. Taking up baskets full of leftovers so there will be no waste. Why? Because of the compassionate Jesus that the people wanted to see. If we get desperate enough to see Jesus, He will break the bread of heaven for us. For man should not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And we can be filled by His Word. And we can live on and on and on. And He can supply the, the literal, the physical bread that we need to sustain this life if we will only seek after Him. But we've got to have a desire to see Him. To make Him our friend. For after all, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, my friend. You can have brothers, you can have sisters that can get embarrassed over you for whatever reason. But this friend will say, come unto me. I'll give you rest. I want to see Jesus. I want to get closer to Him. I want Him as my personal confidant, my personal close, close friend so that in every time of difficulty, He's there. He's able to pick me up when I fall. I read somewhere that when the enemy would come in like a flood, that the Lord would lift up a standard. Now, a standard is the same thing as a banner or a flag. You know what I see in that? Is that when you are being overwhelmed by the forces of the enemy that is trying to take you down and you have become that close friend of Jesus is going to stake his flag there and say, listen devil, that's my property. That's my friend. You leave him alone. We look at the life of Job. 
God said that he was perfect and upright man in all the earth. There's none like him. Sometimes we look at our friends and our neighbors and we see they go through difficult times and we wonder, my, 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 what did they ever do to deserve this? Let me ask you this, what did we ever do to deserve the goodness and the mercy of God? Did we ever do anything to deserve that? I don't think so. But God knew the integrity of Job. Personally, I believe that God did have a hedge around Job. And he just let it down a little bit. All right, devil, you do what you can. He took his family. He took his possessions. Devil, do you see that he's really true blue? Oh, but let me touch his flesh. He'll curse you to to your face. Bores from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. His wife comes and says, you might as well curse God and die. Oh, but you speak as a foolish woman. And then his friends arrive to comfort. How would you like comforters like? them just sitting there looking at you in great bewilderment never seen such a bad case my you must have really done something bad God's angry with you Did you know that the Bible tells us that the Lord would not allow us to be tempted above that which we are able, but that he would with the temptation make a way of escape? And so, and through all of his trials, his tribulations, though these skin worms destroy this flesh, I know that I shall see him. I want to see him. I don't care how bad it gets, I want to see him. I don't care how good it gets, I want to see him. There is nothing in all this world that I want to allow to get between my desire to see him it's going to be worth it all. It will be worth it all to see him. We have preached for many, many years. I have preached over 50 years. And I've preached consistently that the Lord is coming soon. I still believe that, Brother Cordell. Are we ready to meet him? The word says that he is going to present unto himself a church 
a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Now, I can be a part of that. I can be a part of that. You can be a part of that. We got to see Jesus. Sir, we would see Jesus. We will see him in our lives today. So I'm going to go on. In Isaiah chapter 53, I warned you I wasn't going to try to bring anything new to you. You've already heard these things many times. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. I would like for you to look at this part of Jesus. He had said to his disciples, with desire, I have desired to eat this meal with you. And in that time with his disciples, he said, one of you is going to betray me. And then the question goes round the table. Lord, is it I? Is it I? And someone kind of nudges John and says, ask the master who it is. Says, to whom I give the sop is the same. Jesus takes the bread in him Sops it. And that was a thing of great honor to receive that in that day, in that custom. And he gives it to Judas and he says, what you do, do quickly. 
But before that, I see him. He girds himself with a towel. And he takes a basin of water and he puts it at the feet of his disciples. And he begins to wash. Goes from one to the other, washing their feet. He got to Peter and Peter said, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I wash thee not, you have no part in me. He said, oh, don't wash my feet only, but my hands and my head. And, and Jesus explained to him all it was necessary to wash the feet. He said, I, you call me Lord and Master, and so I am. I have knelt to wash your feet and I have given you an example by which you should follow. Here we see the picture of Jesus. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. And yet he took on the form of a servant, of a slave, if you please, to wash his guests' feet. There was a question at one time as to who was going to be the greatest of those disciples. And Jesus plainly told them, he that would be great shall be the servant of all. Do you really want to see Jesus? To see Jesus, you're going to see the aspect of the servant, not the one being served. For Jesus came to serve. He came to minister. If I am going to see Jesus as he is, as he presented himself to us in this world, in this life, I'm going to have to see him in the aspect that I am going to serve as he served. Putting away all of the haughtiness and the pride and take on the humble servant. I want to see Jesus. Lord, take away all of the pride, the haughtiness, the arrogance, and cleanse it all away so that I can see you. Finally, we see him and his disciples go to the garden of Gethsemane. Some of the disciples stop here. Some going a little further. But Jesus goes further into the garden. And there he agonizes and he prays. The Bible tells us that he sweated as it were great drops of blood. He told disciples, his disciples, 
I am sorrowful even unto death. I believe that the devil there in the garden tried to kill him with great sorrow. But the Bible tells us that angels came and ministered unto him. If I am going to see Jesus, I am going to see that there will be times that I will go through sorrow and grief. But we can find the comforting and the strength of the angels that our God and Savior sends to strengthen, bolster us up. Finally, the multitude comes in. Judas leading the pack. The one that I kiss, take him, hold him. He plants a kiss on the face of Jesus, our Savior. Jesus turns to him, Judas. Betray us, the Son of Man, with a kiss. You see, those people wanted to see him for the wrong reason to diminish him and to destroy him. The devil wanted him done away with. As a matter of fact, he tried to kill him on different occasions through his ministry. On one time, they, he tried, uh, the, the, the crowd tried to cast him over the cliff. Another time, they tried to stone him. But you see, this was not the plan of God for Jesus to die this way. On one occasion, Jesus said to his disciples, your time is always, but my time is not yet. He had a time. He had a way. And in the fullness of time, it all transpired. And he told his disciples, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down. And so we find him. They take him to the high priests. They try with false witnesses to condemn him. And none of their, their witnesses agree with one another. Tell us plainly, are you the son of God? Thou hast said, oh, what more do we need for witness? He has spoken blasphemy. So they take him to Pilate. They scourge him. They put a purple robe upon him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. In Isaiah it says that his visage and his body was marred than any other man. I believe that when they, the Bible says they plucked his beard, they yanked his beard from his face. Chunks of flesh 
Do you want to see Jesus? Would you desire to see Jesus? Here we see him in suffering, in agony, in ridicule. They put the purple robe on him and and they mock him. They strike him, prophesy to us and tell us who has struck you. And he is silent before them. He stands before Pilate, Pilate questioning him, and he refuses to say anything. And and Pilate says, do you not know that I have power of life and death over you? Words to that effect. And he says, you have no power except that which is given to you, but this is your hour. Let me ask you something. Are you content to put things in the hands of God for the will of God to be, put, to be performed even if it brings about your own destruction? To glorify Him. You know, the early church counted it a privilege to be able to suffer for the name of Jesus because they wanted to see Him. He was rejected of men. He was despised. Isaiah tells us that he had no comeliness that we should desire him. And certainly, most definitely, when he went through the scourging. Historians tell us that the Romans would use a whip with leads, with bones in the leads, and they would take that whip on the bare back, come down on the the back of the prisoner, pull those bones through. Josephus says that it was his back was as a gory battlefield. Oh, that I may know him in his suffering. Do I really want to see him in his suffering to know him that way? Oh, I want to know him in his resurrection, but do I want to know him in his suffering? I want to see Jesus in his suffering so that I might know him and see him in his resurrection. So he went through it all. Why? Why? Because he wanted to see you. He wanted to see me. And so he went to Golgotha. They nailed his hands. They nailed his feet. And I hear him as he looks 
at those who have done all of these horrible and terrible things to him that he has allowed them because he had already said, I could call a legion of angels to set me free, but that was not the plan of God. And as he's there on that cross, I hear him say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do you want to see Jesus? That you can be forgiving to those who do you harm, do you dirt, do you mischief? Do you want to see Jesus in that light? I say we need to see him in that light. And then I hear him say, it's finished. The soldier comes by to break his legs, but he sees that he has already given up the ghost. He's expired. He gave it up. He gave his life. The breaking of the legs was to quicken the death of the prisoners. But Jesus gave his life. And scripture was fulfilled that not a bone in his body was broken. They take him down And they put him in the tomb. Seems that it's all done and over with now. No more hope. Disciples are lonely. A couple of them on the road to Emmaus. Talking and sad. The third day has passed. Ladies had gone to the tomb and they found out that he was not there. He was risen. They tell it to the disciples and and it was though they were mocking. But these two Jesus joined himself to them and says, how is it you're, you're walking, you're talking, and you're sad? What's, what's, what's wrong? Are you but a stranger in these parts? Are you but a stranger? And they began to relate the events of the days just prior. And then Jesus begins to explain to them from the scriptures all the way through the things concerning himself. Then they come, they get to 
their place of abode and Jesus makes as if to go on and they constrain him to come in. It's, it's late in the evening. Come on and, and, and stay with us. And so Jesus went into the house with them and they brought out some bread. And Jesus began to break the bread and when he began to break the bread, their eyes were open and they saw him. We can see him when we allow him to break the bread of life for us as to who he is. He is loving, he is kind. And it is not his will that any perish, but that all come to repentance. It's not his will that we would go on in a state of I don't care. I just kind of make it. If I make it, I make it. If I don't, I don't. Jesus wants us to go after him and be in earnest to see him. Sometimes we think that we're too busy for Jesus. Well, if that be the case, my friend, we're too busy. For I read in the book of Revelation, first chapter, verse 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Even so. Amen. It says, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they who pierced him. He's coming, my friend. It's going to be a grand day for those who are seeking to see Him, looking for Him, loving His appearing, fearing Him. But it's going to be an awful day for those who dread His appearing, His return. Are you looking for Jesus tonight? Do you want to see him face to face? Do you want to behold him? When Jesus ascended into the heavens, the disciples stood gazing after him and there appeared unto them men in white apparel and they said, why stand you here gazing into the heavens for this same Jesus whom you have seen go away shall come again in like manner as you have seen him go away. Jesus is coming, my friend. Are you ready to meet him? Oh yeah, I'm ready. Are you really? When's the last time you talked with him? 
When's the last time he's talked with you? Have you felt his arms around you, pulling you in closer? Have you heard his tender voice saying, come unto me, I know what you're going through. I can help you if you'll just lean on me. He's getting a church ready to meet him. And when he comes and he takes his own with him, oh my friend, what a day that will be. Can wipe away all of the tears. No more sorrows, no more pains. I have a few pains in my little body. Sometimes I can barely walk. Sometimes I can barely straighten my back up. But when I see him, those pains will not be there anymore. No more parting from loved ones. Oh, and we'll ever, ever be with the one who died for us. What a day, what a day that will be. I want to see him. How about you? Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.